The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We all have those thoughts that will not die. Along with many other thought distractions, these can keep us from thinking clearly and focusing on what we desire and who we can be. This is Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage with Dr. Jeffrey Fannin. What if you could learn to command the power of thought and make the laws of the universe work in your favor? It can be done, and it just takes some adjustments to become a thought genius. Now, here is your host, Dr. Jeffrey L. Fannin. Welcome to this week's uh, episode of Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. And we really do have a thought genius with us today. Uh, so my guest is uh, Dave Farrow. So Dave is uh, has the distinction of uh, holding a two-time Guinness uh, uh, record for the greatest memory. So he's been featured uh, as a guest expert on over 2,000 interviews uh, in the media, uh, including the Today Show, Live with Regis and Kelly, uh, Steve Harvey, the Discovery Channel, and many others. Um, so to earn this uh, distinction of holding the world record uh, in the Guinness Book of Records, um, uh, Dave was able to recall the exact order of not just one deck of cards, but 59 decks of cards, shuffled uh, playing cards that were used in the uh, the Pharaoh memory method. So we're going to talk a lot about that in, in the third segment, segment, and we have some really great uh, opportunities for um, those of you that are listening to this program to increase your memory. So Dave's um, Pharaoh uh, me- memory method Uh, is a method that was originally invented to combat uh, Dave's dyslexia and ADHD and is now a unique memory system backed by a double-blind neuroscience study at McGill University. And uh, memory serves me correct, uh, McGill is in uh, Montreal. So I spent a little bit of time walking around that campus, beautiful campus there uh, in uh, Montreal. Dave? Welcome to the show, and I'm sure we're going to have an amazing discussion. Hey, thanks a lot for having me on here. This is uh, it's a lot of fun doing a, a great Skype interview. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. So awesome. um, uh, let's get to know Dave Farrell a little bit. So tell us about yourself and you know where you're from, how did you get to where you are today, uh, all of those kinds of things that would be interesting facts to, to know about Dave Farrell. Sure. Well, um, I uh, right now I run one of the the largest uh, companies that deals with uh, brain training. So I started off just as you said, um, you know, learning brain training for myself, and then uh, inventing some new techniques. We call it the Pharaoh method to brand it, of course. Um, and uh, for many years, for about twenty years, I've been teaching people how to improve their memory, uh, that their brain can be hacked, that they can uh, take control of the thoughts in their mind, and actually, uh, for lack of a better word, trick the brain into memory. Memorizing things without repetition. That's our main selling point, if you will, especially when we're talking to students about studying and things like that. We're on a lot of college campuses. We're at a lot of high schools. We have um, a scholastic memory competition every year in Florida. We have a, a U.S. Nat- national and world uh, memory tournament that I host um, at eBay, actually, every year um, at the uh, head office of eBay in Silicon Valley. So we've really grown to really encompass a lot of things. So at one time, People thought that memory training was, I don't know, hocus pocus or, or um, you know, mentalism or something like that. And what I've really done in my career is do my best to show people that it's real, that there is something that you can do uh, about your memory. You can hack it, if you will. 
and uh, it's been very successful. Now we know now now it's commonly known that brain training uh, helps the brain. We know that it uh, you know lowers your risk for Alzheimer's as long as it's the right kind of brain training, mind you. Not all does, and, and I, I speak a lot about that. Um, and of course, it helps students in school and everyone. Uh, so the uh, the important thing that I want to get out there is that I'm nothing special. I was not born with a special gift. Uh, I was actually diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia when I was a kid. Uh, so I was at the bottom of all my classes. And um, if you know anything about the education system, even today or in those days, uh, I didn't really have a lot of help or a lot of support or really a lot of tools to, to do anything about it. So that's why I became so passionate about training my brain well before, I mean, decades before it was commonly done or even commonly talked about. Um, now the world has moved forward. There's all sorts of brain games. There's an understanding of how the brain works. But still, I see the same uh, persistent myths out there about the brain that I try to debunk every single day. Um, and and I, I'm nothing special. That's my main point. I was I was born with challenges and I overcome them with techniques. And a lot like how you teach, uh, you know, you can use techniques to change how your brain works. Yeah, uh, I, I share all of those thoughts with you. And, and that's why we have the show, Help My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage, because there are so many individuals who who don't have an idea one that they can even control those thoughts and uh, I'm, I'm just finishing the last two chapters of the book by the same name mm-hmm. and and trying to help people understand that we do have more control over things that, than mm-hmm. we think and the brain is so resilient and the, the many aspects that we engage in and helping people learn to meditate better and be able to measure that we live in this uh, age where we have uh, the technology uh, that we can actually measure things. Uh, we were just finishing up, uh, just before the radio show, a final version of a white paper that we're going to release this afternoon um, on a nine-month study that we did on understanding how energy healing works mm-hmm. and discovered a lot of uh, tremendous things about how to change the flow of energy in the body and the brain in order to uh, allow us to utilize those resources in a better way. So mm-hmm. uh, let me ask you this question. Uh, here you are, the, the two-time Guinness World Record holder for the greatest memory. There's got to be a story behind all of that, that you didn't just wake up one morning and say, you know what, I think I can probably do this. Yeah, no, and, and I want to I want to clarify. We say greatest memory because that's the category that it's in. It's like getting a, a gold medal in uh, decathlon. Um, it's the category of greatest memory. When I first got into the Guinness Book of Records, there was maybe three people in the world who were at that level. This was 20 years ago in, in 1996. If you want to look it up, um, and I'll tell you what the record is. But also, you know, today we have so many talented people. A lot of people in our programs that I teach um, are now uh, breaking records in some of our competitions and everything. So it's it's actually turning into what I always wanted it to be. People, you know, come up to me and say, hey, how does it feel to not be the only person on the block with a stupendous memory? And I tell them, well, that was kind of the plan, you know? The plan (laughs) was that I have this amazing power, but it's transferable, and I spent 20 years of my life just with every ounce of effort that I had to try to make my job obsolete by giving this power to everybody else. And uh, as you know, the more you give, the more you get. So I've been very financially successful at it. Um, But uh, the story behind the Guinness record, I had a, and this is the real story that I don't necessarily say in every interview, but I think you're going to like this one specifically. Um, I had a teacher when I was 14 years old tell me, essentially, I wouldn't amount to much. Uh, to to stop aiming high, to 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 stop being so ambitious because I had these learning disabilities and I pretty much you know wouldn't be able to amount to much you know and he said it as if you know the sky is blue the sun rises uh, you know and sets I mean these are just the laws of the universe you know um, and uh, I was of course very upset by that any any parent you know who hears something like that would be upset by it as well um, and I spent so much effort trying to prove that bugger wrong that it led to my whole career and sometimes we're motivated by you know negative people in our lives to, to try to, to make a positive out of it and that was my thing um, so what I decided to do when I when I first discovered some memory techniques. So I'll give you one little tip right now because people who have never encountered memory training before, this might surprise you. But the one little tip that I can give you is, um, uh, you know, imagine that you have, um, just one second, um, 
imagine that you have, uh, you know, you're, you're in a situation where you're blanking out a lot. Like I was blanking out a lot during tests. And um, I, I, I learned this one tip and then it actually uh, almost eliminated my, my blank out sessions. Those times where you're just fighting for that word that you already know. You, you, you knew it yesterday, but just you're stressed out right now and you can't remember it. And the simple tip was to look up. So quite literally, when we're asked a question, our natural tendencies, if we're not stressed out, is to look up for a second. Have you ever seen somebody like this? They're like, okay, it's, let me see directions. It's down the street. It's to the right. You know, that sort of thing. The reason why that works is that there's a bundle of nerves behind the eyeballs called the optic nerve, and they are responsible for directing energy in the brain. So they really, uh, they really respond to what direction we point our eyes physically. So if I put my eyes up, it actually gets me more in touch with my memory but when I get stressed out our natural tendency is to look down that one little tip a very simple thing completely transformed my test taking I, I went from a horrible anxiety ridden and everything to a great test taker and then I thought well if that's if that's the way it is, then that's just the tip of the iceberg, and I can go even farther. Um, and I went all the way to the Guinness Book of Records. So my record uh, is that I memorized the exact order of 59 decks of playing cards all shuffled together. That's 3,068 cards in total. Uh, that record was done in uh, 2009, and it was done on, on, on national television, actually, on the Discovery Channel, so it was really, really cool. Uh, we had lots of cameras on the whole time, so I couldn't be accused of cheating or anything. And one of the interesting things was I was not allowed to have any repetition for memorizing it. So I had to memorize it the right way first without any repetition. And that was the real challenge, and that's what I teach to people every single day, that you can improve your memory without repetition. And that is just astounding to me. Um, you know, because understanding what neuroscience uh, explains about that whole process, that we call that declarative and episodic processing, mm-hmm. and and we work with people here in the clinic all the time that that have issues that uh, that are related to that. So if I took a bottle of water and put it in front of them and said, "Now tell me mm-hmm. about the w- bottle of water." That's where the declarative and episodic processing seems to break mm-hmm. down for a lot of people. They're going, they know it's in their head, it's a bottle of water, but they're going, that's the, uh, you know, the thingy, the whatchamacallit. And then, like you s- suggest, looking up uh, re-regulates uh, the elements of, of the brain in order to access those memories and actually mm-hmm. connect it to the left temporal lobe uh, and then our language and our memories and all of that can come into, uh, we can get it out of our mouth. Well, absolutely. And you know what, actually, you as, as, as a doctor dealing with patients, you, uh, you also have to be aware of the, uh, the, 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 you know, the laboratory bias. You know, when somebody is in the lab, they're not necessarily acting exactly. This, this kind of goes outside of, 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 of the conversation, but I think some, some viewers will be interested in this. You know, somebody goes to see the doctor, you know, the cough goes away because you're seeing the doctor. It's kind of like, you know, the, the engine stops making that funny sound right when you show the mechanic. So part of, part of you know, having the patient in your, your lab is sometimes they can perform uh, poorer than they normally would or better than they normally would because of the stress or anxiety around, you know, visiting the doctor. So being aware of these little subtle changes, like whether they're looking up or whether they're looking down and, and getting, uh, you know, a lot of people are really worried about their memory. So I've even encountered probably some similar situations to you and they come to me and they're depressed about their memory. You know, they're going to this memory guy to help them and they think it's, it's, it's this horrible thing and, and, and it affects their self-esteem and that interferes with all of these processes that we're trying to do. So the first thing I wanted to tell everybody is that you have a fantastic memory. You just don't know how to use it. So, you know, empower yourself a little bit first. Yeah, we just uh, finished uh, an event that we did in uh, Tacoma a couple of weeks ago with Dr. Joe Dispenza working with advanced meditators. And during that uh, session, we took about 150 people that we were brain mapping and had them swab the inside of their mouth and then took those to to a lab to look at uh, changes in cortisol level Mm -hmm. from the time we did uh, 
the pre-brain map before the event began and then swabbed them again after the event was over some four days later. And we just got the results back from the lab and changes in the cortisol. And for those that, that don't yeah. understand what cortisol is, when you're under stress, your brain will produce more cortisol. It's always producing cortisol, but it's how you regulate that. So I got to believe that mm-hmm. um, when we look at uh, people under stress and things like that, that the changes in the cortisol level, being able to control that really with your own perceptions has got to be part of this formula. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 We talk about this a lot. And and the one thing I try to tell all the people I work with, and you can say this to your patients, is my belief is that there is no flaw to the human brain. Everything happens for a reason. So when stress exists, that that's your brain. You know, our hunter-gatherer brain believes that there is danger nearby. And quite frankly, you don't need to remember, you know, the capital of Meritus or something like that when there's a tiger at the door, you know, or when you're being chased by a pack of wolves. So your brain actually has all of these defense mechanisms to essentially dumb you down when you have to fight. And then when the stress is gone, then your your brain awakens and you have all these capabilities. The problem is, in our civilized society, we don't have these things very well organized. We get stressed out because of bills or what have you, and then that stress, you know, we're at work when we're trying to use our memory, we're trying to use our brain, and that stress interferes with our ability to recall, and we think there's something wrong with us, and there's nothing wrong with your brain. It's just you're, you're, you're activating that hunter-gatherer, you know, fight-or-flight instinct at a time when you don't need it. So, you know, when you first, when you fully understand how the brain works, you can start to run it like a machine rather than it running you. Uh, you know, we have a couple of minutes before the, the, the break here. And, and since you weren't born with that gift of memory and had severe ADHD and dyslexia as a child, what was that like for you trying to break out of that and uh, actually become, pardon the expression, a memory guru? Well, first of all, I wasn't born with a gifted memory. I do have a naturally better memory than most, um, as as do a lot of people who are highly creative. A lot of people who are dyslexic actually show very high on other areas. So uh, it actually goes hand in hand with learning disabilities, and we could talk a whole show about that. Um, but uh, I really had a lot of difficulty because I was very ambitious, but I didn't learn the way the system was teaching me. And I think anybody who's listening to the sound of my voice, if you know what I'm talking about, the system System, the, the education you know, system, politics, whatever, teaches children a certain way. There's a cookie-cutter mold, and it just doesn't fit how the majority of people learn. I think that's the simplest way to describe it. And I want to give you some tips during this, this call and also on my website as to how we can break out of that mold and actually achieve, uh, achieve more results. So what is that website? Oh, well, I mean, anybody can Google my name, Dave Farrow. I mean, you can see the Farrow the hat behind. That's so you don't forget. Um, but uh, but our, our main website is pushbuttonmemory.com. You know, the whole idea is we make memory as easy as pushing a button. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, I think that uh, now would be a good time to uh, take a short break. So you're listening to Help, My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll be right back. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you find that some of your hopes and dreams aren't happening the way you thought they would? Maybe your power of intention needs fine-tuning. The latest scientific research indicates that the problem is related to your subconscious belief patterns. They determine your behavior as well as create the message that is being broadcast into the field. Only 5% of what we think about comes through the conscious thinking part of our brain, and the rest is processed through the subconscious part of our brain. You need the Thought Genius Kit. The Thought Genius Kit is an amazing combination of tools and technology that is not sold in stores anywhere. But you can get it from ThoughtGenius.com. If you want to know what your subconscious thinks and feels about something, all you have to do is think about it and watch the indicators on the screen. The Thought Genius Kit also comes with a lifetime subscription for creating your own mind movies. Get more information and read scientific research before you order the Thought Genius Kit at ThoughtGenius.com. That's ThoughtGenius.com. On 
It's absolutely all about you. Host Eileen Nunez bases her show on the forthcoming book of the same name. If you've been taught to hold your head high and keep your self-esteem in check, where do you go if you aren't yet achieving that goal? Each program is based on a chapter of the book and comes from Eileen's many years of experience in order to help you find your inner peace. Listen for It's Absolutely All About You, live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. To reach Dr. Jeffrey L. Fannin or his guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to radioshow at thoughtgenius.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, we're back with my guest, Dave Farrell, and we have been discussing memory, some a subject that uh, is dear and dear to many, many people out there. Um, I might ask you that uh, we were talking just before the break about uh, your experiences with ADHD and dyslexia as a child. Um, do you think that those impairments helped you at all? In in my case, they did. Yes, uh, and and I want to I want to make a caveat that um, you know I'm not the type that that can will take my anecdotal evidence and think it's a perfect model for everybody to follow. Um, I am wired as a contrarian. I know this, and I'm aware of this, and I'm comfortable with this. Um, so when I had a challenge, I took it as a challenge, and I I stepped up and and it made me work harder to overcome these labels and challenges. And then, of course, I was able to take the positive parts of, of ADHD and dyslexia, and there are positives to it, um, and uh, and use those to their greatest advantage. But I also believe that there are, is a whole other group of people that they might not be wired the same way I am, not so much the ADD and dyslexia, but just as, um, as people, they might not be as so driven to turn lemons into lemonade, so to speak. So we still need to have programs that help people, um, you know, with these challenges. I think, uh, you know, one size fits all doesn't really work is my is my point yeah i i would fully agree with that um earlier you mentioned uh, about memory tournament clubs that, that you do uh, for kids and schools and can we talk a little bit about that yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you can check it out at memorytournaments.com or you can uh, you know go to uh, you know davefarrow.com and and follow the link through. Um, uh, we actually have a, a setup. This is my way of giving back. Um, I've been I've wanted from the very beginning to get um, my memory program into schools. My goal was to put myself out of business, if you will, um, because essentially memory strategies and brain training should be taught in school. I mean, I, I know that you're a big proponent of putting meditation into school. Um, and uh, I think that there's a lot of things that we know about the brain that other countries are taking advantage of, if you want to use the patriotic side of things, uh, but they're using in their, uh, in their education system. And, you know, in North America, it's very, very far behind the, the science. Uh, and we should have a science-based judgment on, on this sort of curriculum. So, um, but it's very political. It's very difficult to get something into the curriculum. So what we've done is create an after-school club called memory clubs or memory teams. Uh, we have 30 clubs around the world in seven different countries. We have uh, uh, this year so far, we have six major events and there's more that are going to be registering right now. We have six coming up, one in Brazil, two in Canada, um, one in Toronto and one in Montreal. For those of you who are listening, you can go on our website to find out all the details. I would actually like to, to invite you, uh, Jeffrey, if you want to bring some of your uh, technology of uh, brain scanning, uh, that would be very, very exciting. We would be happy to post all the results and show people their scans. Um, I would suggest you could come to the uh, the national or world's competition um, that we hold at eBay every year uh, in uh, in Silicon Valley. Um, or if you want to come down to Florida, we have the largest scholastic memory competition in the world. We're expecting about three to four hundred students, most of them medical students actually, because memory is very important to them. And we have a brain bowl, a, a brain memory competition uh, going on there. And I'm sure a lot of people would love to have their uh, uh, their brain scan to, to see before and after effects of doing some of our techniques. Oh, yeah, that would be really, really interesting. We have uh, a medical college, uh, Midwestern Medical University, 
just a, a couple of miles from where we are, and oh, great. we very often get uh, medical students who come in uh, who are needing some help in that memory work, but. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just like a lot of the adolescents or even children that, that we work with uh, because we do a, a fair number of individuals um, that have attention deficit issues. Mm-hmm. And it, it's almost to the point where, you know, they're about to flunk out of college or oh, yeah. you know, they're, they're being asked to leave school because uh, their grades are so low. We usually mm-hmm. are the last bus stop. Uh, and people are usually in crisis uh, when when they get to this point. Can your techniques help somebody that is that far removed in a system that is so important to them, like school? Oh, absolutely. You know, I I, I, I speak on the college circuit for just this reason. I actually had a, a student come up to me. Um, uh, I'll just say her, her name is Samantha. I won't say her last name, but she came up to me and she was actually on the student government for uh, a very large uh, college uh, in Texas. And uh, she did incredibly well in high school, honors and everything. Uh, but when she got into college, she, she took on a lot of curriculum, uh, a lot of different courses, and the course load was too much. She was able to get high levels uh, for the most part, but when you add too too much memory work, she just simply used repetition, and I did the math and showed her that there is just not enough hours in the day. If you didn't sleep, you still wouldn't have enough time to repeat often enough to memorize everything that you need to memorize. We're talking things like like nursing and, and med school, things like that, um, technical terms, memorizing all the technical terms. So I showed her some strategies, and I'm very happy to say when I first saw her, she told me that she uh, had already decided that she was going to drop out the next year, that she couldn't take it. And the thing was that that broke her heart was that she didn't tell any of her friends. She was going to events and talking to them as if she was going to come back the next year and it was all a lie and she felt like she was living a lie and she started to, to break down and cry to me. And I said, don't give up yet. Try some of these techniques. I know I'm just a speaker that came to the campus. It's a one-day thing, and it seems kind of cheesy. I'm only Guinness Book of Records, and I've been on Dr. Oz and stuff like that. But these strategies saved my life, and I and I just wanted her to give it one more try. So um, I can tell I can tell your audience a little bit of 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 how this works. Um, essentially, when you're trying to memorize information, this is what I was telling her. Uh, your brain really. Uh, has a shortcut for information that it likes. So what we've discovered, and, and I'm sure you can look into the, in the literature and see this as well, um, I refer to it just metaphorically as the tiger in the jungle. It's a survival mechanism. So the, the theory is that if you were walking through a jungle and you saw a tiger in front of you, you do not need repetition to remember that event. If you did, we would all be dead. There wouldn't be humans on the planet. So uh, evolutionary speaking, our brains created this link, this shortcut to memorize things without repetition when it's important enough, when it's important to our survival. So what I told them is that there are certain tricks and mental gymnastics that you can do to trick your brain into memorizing something without repetition instantaneously, just like you would with that tiger in the jungle or if you saw a car accident or something astounding. The problem is when we're trying to memorize names and numbers and technical terms, foreign language vocabulary, it's all in a form that our brain really hates. It's not even... It's not even, um, you know, comfortable. It's it's foreign-sounding words. It's stuff that you can't visualize. It has no weight or depth or sensory perception. So people just end up kind of giving up and repeating it over and over and over. As a result of this, the education system really tried to make a shift away from memorization as a tool to try to go towards critical thinking, but they left out one important part. If you don't memorize the material in the first place, you do not acquire the skills to critically think about something. It, it's, it's much like knowing all the grammar of a language but not knowing any vocabulary. It doesn't do you any good because you can't speak it anyways. You know, you can only speak in theoretical terms about something. There's nothing practical. So what my technique does is it breaks down all these technical terms and definitions, turns them into something that you can visualize it, makes 
makes it exciting, sometimes funny, sometimes goofy, that sort of thing. But essentially, we're visualizing things to trick the brain into paying 100% attention to that technical term. And it goes into the memory, long-term memory, for months and months and months, stays there for as long as you want it, uh, if you do the technique right, um, with only one repetition, just going through it right the first time. And it's an eye-opening event. It sounds common sense the way I say it. It's a lot of fun. It's actually kind of entertaining. But it, it, it... opens people's eyes because they just do not realize that their memory is malleable like this. You know, you you mentioned that uh, getting the information into a form that the brain can accept, does that require more flexibility in the way that we think, we we call that cognitive flexibility, but, um, uh, or does each person need to find kind of their own way to put that information together that's meaningful to their brain? That's a great question. Yeah. No. So like, for example, uh, say you're trying to memorize people's names. You know, my last name is Pharaoh, right? Um, uh, So obviously I am not Egyptian, but it sounds like an Egyptian Pharaoh, right? And just like the Geico Gecko and the Aflac Duck, you know, I branded it this way because no one's ever going to forget that. Now, more to your point, if somebody is not that creative, they might not see that at first. But what I've done in my system is create a series of strategies. So essentially... You don't have to be the most creative person in the world. You just have to follow the code and strategy that other people use. So if you don't get something cool like that right off the bat, or if you don't see maybe an arrow or something else that you could use, then uh, you can use the strategies that I teach, which is actually phonetic. And it breaks things down by syllables uh, without getting you know too much into it because it's a 45-minute lesson just for that alone. But essentially you figure out how to take any foreign sounding word and turn it into a visual image just like the pharaoh here um, and turn it into a visual image instantaneously but sometimes you have to break it down into several syllables so you'll maybe have two or three images Um, and so if you're not a very creative person this will number one make you more creative but number two even if you're not very creative you can still use the technique because we have very very creative people ahead of you that made the strategy that you're following yeah, that makes a lot of sense, uh, and I think when people um, feel like they have memory deficits, which probably encompasses everybody, but uh, uh, that lack of creativity, you, you tend to feel like you're dumb, stupid, or broken, and especially for those people who have a, a attention issues. They've been told this uh, a lot during their life and their schooling, and yet Part of them feels like they're not dumb, stupid, and broken, but they don't know how to break that cycle. So the fact that yep. you have strategies that when that blank comes, you have something to fall back on, that makes so much sense. Yeah, and also with practice, everybody gets better at it and better at it. I mean, I have people who, you know, we, we, we spend an afternoon and within an hour, they know how to say hello in seven or eight different languages, and they're amazed and that is amazing to the average person, but then, you know, they practice the technique for a few weeks and they realize that they can do that in five or six minutes when they get good at the strategy. I mean, it's just, you're playing a little game in your head and you just get faster and faster and better and better at it. That's why as people get older, when you're doing the right memory training, uh, you, you get better results. The interesting thing about this and the scientific method is that most of the data we have is based on people who aren't using any sort of technique or strategy. Uh, Those people like me are the outliers. They're the ones that you keep out of your experiment because we'll throw off all the results. Um, What we're trying to do is do a series of experiments showing that, you know, if we get enough ordinary people doing these strategies, it can create a new paradigm. You know, you can have a new level of success. So one of the first techniques I teach is how to triple everybody's memory. Uh, And uh, an ordinary uh, test typically called the random sequence test. I know, I think you know the test I'm talking about where a doctor would give a patient uh, a random list of objects, ordinary things, and then, um, you know, confuse them with a few tests questions like uh, like um, you know medical questions and then ask hey what about those items I just told you do you remember any of them and then the patient gets a little scared and tries to remember them maybe remembers four or five of them and that's a healthy brain if they remember two or three maybe they have something wrong and that's a general test for memory what I do is I go into a room and I'll speak to you know 100 200 students uh, and adults as well um, in corporations and I'll teach a little trick on how to do this. I think we have a plan to do this at the end of this uh, of this uh, interview. 
and everybody scores up to the genius level, remembers eight, nine, ten, or more. And the funny thing is, if they miss one, they really kick themselves because it's like, oh, I knew that one. So you go from having no confidence in your memory to kind of demystifying it, understanding that it's a strategy. There are tools you can use, but we just haven't spent a lot of time really, you know, studying those outliers. We try to study the average person. Yeah, that's that's good because uh, it's the average person that that needs the help more than anyone mm-hmm. else. So it's great that you're able to put some of that stuff together. Earlier yep. in the interview, we were talking about um, uh, or mentioning uh, dealing with Alzheimer's or dementia, and and from my perspective in neuroscience, when we look at things like uh, uh, Alzheimer's, where the myelin sheath has begun to deteriorate or in dementia where uh, parts of the brain are not firing. At least what we know about neuroscience, we don't know how to fix that totally, Mm -hmm. but we know that through various activation of the brain that it can slow down any of this. And, 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 you know, I guess the big question in science right now is uh, nature or nurture when we look at the DNA that, uh, epigenetics, it turns a signal on, why does somebody get uh, Alzheimer's or just dementia? And we are finding out that you actually can control whether that gene gets turned on or not. So many people will take that mental attitude of, oh, well, people in my family just get Alzheimer's, and, and I don't know that scientifically that that's very accurate. So uh, do any of these uh, techniques that you use, uh, are they very helpful for slowing down or even preventing uh, Alzheimer's or dementia. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what we uh, we hope to prove in this upcoming uh, study with uh, patients of dementia. As you know, it, it's difficult to study people with dementia. It's um, you know, it's it's a hard group to get into a room on multiple occasions, and good brain training needs several several occasions. So a lot of the reason for the difficulty in doing studying is because it's much easier to give someone a pill and then check in a week later than have them do exercises several days in a row and then test them. Um, But uh, we're we're trying to arrange that now. Uh, What I usually uh, tell my my, uh, customers and students is um, uh, number one, I talk about the basics of cognitive reserve. So uh, we do know that even when the brain is damaged, whether it be a physical injury or PTSD, uh, like a like a brain injury uh, type thing with, with soldiers, as well as um, uh, plaques and tangles and things like that, uh, we do know that um, your brain is able to essentially rewire itself to go around the damaged areas so that you can do what what's called symptom reduction. So you're not reversing the disease, but you can reduce the symptoms i.e. you won't you may have Alzheimer's even or early stages but you won't feel as forgetful if you do the right kind of brain training um, and the other thing of course is brain plasticity that you know people who do have you know a stroke and things like that uh, where there's damaged areas of the brain there have been examples of the brain uh, adapting and changing itself which is very exciting but the main key I want to make and you can back me up on this but the main point I I want to make and I'll, I'll ask you um, you know what what you think of this this teaching point I do in all of my talks is I say that the most important thing you need to know about choosing what kind of brain training is the principle of transference that is to say that um, you know Sudoku and crosswords will get you better at Sudoku and crosswords and not much else. That's that's a common joke amongst neuroscientists I've found and <laughs> and and it also tells you a little bit about the sense of humor of neuroscientists if they call that a joke, people. Um, <laughs> but uh, but but it's true though is is. And, and, and to explain to your audience what we're talking about is um, the belief is that if I do Sudoku or if I do math problems or something, then I'm helping my brain and that will help my memory and other things. But what we found in the research is that unless you specifically do one thing that you're trying to improve, you will not get the total result. In other words, working out your biceps doesn't give you bigger legs. Working on math doesn't give you a better memory. The only way to improve your memory is to actually work your memory. And this is something that I've spoken out a lot against Lumosity for years, and now they finally uh, got a judgment against them for the false, uh, false advertising they've been doing, trying to imply that their brain training really improved memory when really it improved your ability to play their games, which was very convenient for them. <laughs> well, what I would like to do is continue that conversation because that's a question that actually came up uh, in my mind there. But mm. uh, let's take a little uh, short break here, 
and uh, we'll be back. You're listening to Help My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Do you find that some of your hopes and dreams aren't happening the way you thought they would? Maybe your power of intention needs fine-tuning. The latest scientific research indicates that the problem is related to your subconscious belief patterns. They determine your behavior as well as create the message that is being broadcast into the field. Only 5% of what we think about comes through the conscious thinking part of our brain, and the rest is processed through the subconscious part of our brain. You need the Thought Genius Kit. The Thought Genius Kit is an amazing combination of tools and technology that is not sold in stores anywhere. But you can get it from ThoughtGenius.com. If you want to know what your subconscious thinks and feels about something, all you have to do is think about it and watch the indicators on the screen. The Thought Genius Kit also comes with a lifetime subscription for creating your own mind movies. Get more information and read scientific research before you order the Thought Genius Kit at ThoughtGenius.com. That's ThoughtGenius.com. Do you feel alone trying to conquer life's challenges? Do you feel that there's sometimes nowhere to turn and nobody really understands? Remember, you are not alone. Every week, host April Joy Ford, who has faced adversity as a constant in her life, helps you rise above life's challenges with your own blueprint meant to discover the powerful you. April's challenges have included childhood sexual abuse, becoming a widow and single parent at 32, and other such curveballs. She'll help you get empowered holistically every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. To reach Dr. Jeffrey L. Fannin or his guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to radioshow at thoughtgenius.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, we're back with my guest Dave Farrow, and we've been discussing uh, elements of and memory and uh, all of those conditions around it. We we left off before the break talking about um, brain games and how they do or don't uh, actually work to uh, train the brain. And you were mentioning about this principle of transference. So, c- mm-hmm. can we pick up on that because brain games seem to be quite the rage right now. And from my perspective, it's like. Uh, the one thing that they don't give you is information of whether you're doing it right or not. So you yeah, might no, increase your score, but it doesn't mean it's fixing your brain. Well, yeah, and and uh, the score is how you're scoring on the game, not necessarily on a standardized memory test. So um, you know, like like anything, you know, new science came in. I, I was I was around back in the day, you know, 20 years ago when there was the the theory of the hardwired brain. Do you remember this? Where you know people were considered hardwired for smoking hardwired for violence um, and then the people who were in the camp uh, promoting a brain plasticity model of the brain were the minority these were the people who were fringe uh, and as it turns out uh, they were right the whole time I was talking about brain plasticity a long time ago um, and now it's finally kind of come to the fir- to the forefront so what brain plasticity tells us is that anything that you do repetitively or you do consistently with the brain your brain will get better at so if you do, um, you know, math facts repetitively, you'll get better at math facts, right? The problem is that once that became a scientific canon, once that once that became approved, then once it became commercialized, uh, there was a lot of companies that were making apps and things like that. Uh, the problem is that the way software works is that it's very repetitive. You have to write a lot of code if you want something that's not repetitive. So the problem with apps that are repetitive is, is that 
you're not actually training your memory because you're not encountering new information. So my biggest advice to people is if you really want to improve your memory, there are real ways to do it. You will feel and see measurable results within weeks, not months or years or whatever that everyone else says. Within weeks, you'll feel sharper and, and more on the ball. And I, I've seen this with my customers, and we've proven it in, in the lab. Within the first lesson, we actually showed that we could triple people's memory in a double-blind neuroscience study. So I can say this legally, unlike uh, unlike Lumosity, which can't legally say that. Um, little burn there. But, <laughs> um, but, uh, but I will also say this. Also pick up a hobby. My strategies show you how to memorize better but what are you going to memorize? Try learning a language. Try learning a new musical instrument, something like that. Pick up a hobby and then uh, use my techniques to make it easy to memorize and you will be sharp as a whip in no time. There are lots of examples of people who are in their 50s, 60s plus who start memory training, the right type of memory training, and they're sharper as they get older. Their memories improve regularly and these same studies, they're there was an American Medical Association study not too long ago, uh, just 2014, that, that showed 2,000 participants and showed even people with early onset Alzheimer's had shown improvement uh, and lessening of symptoms of, of memory loss and shown improvement in their memory. So it's never too late, but it has to be done right. Yeah, I, <clears throat> there is a saying in neuroscience that uh, neurons that fire together wire together, and, and what you were nice. just saying sounds a lot <laughs> to me like uh, by engaging in those things you get those neurons to fire and if they're firing in a proper way that they're going to wire together and you're just going to strengthen those neural pathways that allow uh, for better memory whereas you know we just let our memory run wild if you will uh, a little bit like an untrained dog just kind of out there doing what it wants to do rather than what you've trained it to do. Well, there's also the Google effect, um, which is which is how our brains, and this has been scientifically proven. You can Google it, uh, where where it's, it's been shown that our memories as uh, a society, as North America at first, but now around the world, uh, our memories are starting to to fade. Our episodic memory, I should say, or our episodic memory power is fading a little bit because we're relying on the internet. Uh, for our memory. We're much more likely to look something up than we are to memorize it and that has actually resulted in 15 to 20 percent depending on how you measure it uh, lowering in our uh, national memory like one-fifth. <laughs> I'm chuckling about that because when I was growing up and, and I would ask my parents uh, what does this mean and my mother's answer was always look it up. <laughs> and, and, well, and yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and, and then uh, by in contrast, as we were uh, preparing the final version of this uh, white paper we we're releasing this afternoon, um, we were checking some of the elements in there. In fact, uh, the the specific that comes to mind as we were writing a sentence about uh, feng shui, and the question came up: you know, how is it spelled? And is it one word or two words? And so what did we do? Instead of looking it up, we Googled it. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's part of the thing. And it's a, you know, it's a problem and a solution. I actually did a TED Talk recently on why forgetting is important, oddly enough. Because for years I've been teaching people how to improve their memory. We're going to do a test right now. Um, but then we ask ourselves, if our brain is capable of having the superpower memory, why, why are we so forgetful? And the reason might actually be because we need to rely on each other to remember things like directions and things like that. And now we have this sort of hive mind that is connected to the Internet where we're very reliant on technology. There's that old, um, you know, that old story of you know, hikers in the woods that are found days later because their GPS ran out of batteries. You know, we're reliant on technology instead of our own skill set. We could make a whole show about that. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> for sure. Um, during the break, you had asked me to come up with uh, 10 things, and I've typed yep. that in the, in the Skype here. Do you have that on your screen there? Yeah, so, so here is, just for your, uh, your audience here, this is a standard test for memory. You've probably performed it a lot. We did it at our, at our Montreal test. And essentially, if you want to ask how do we measure scientifically memory, it has to be something that crosses all cultural boundaries. So we can't have something that, you know, one group knows very well and another group knows very poorly, right? So, <coughs> excuse me. So um, this is a, what's called a standard uh, um, random sequence test, uh, is, is how I've been told uh, it is. And uh, 
Uh, doctor would give you a list of 10 random objects. So you have, um, and I'll repeat it to the audience, you have a ball, a whistle, a cap, uh, a scarf, red hair, blue eyes, a mouse, phone, uh, texting, which is not an object, but I'll, I'll leave it to you, and a wristwatch, all right? So so we have these 10 things. Now, probably by now, people are listening going, oh, I, if I had to be tested on those, how well would I do? And gen generally speaking, you do very poorly. You, I'm betting you'd remember ball. You might remember whistle. You might remember wristwatch, but not maybe red hair in the middle. If you get four or five, you have a perfectly healthy memory biologically. But let's try using strategies to make this more powerful. And we're going to use that principle of the tiger in the jungle. What we want to do is take these seemingly boring things and trick your brain into thinking they are very exciting. Okay? So, um, everybody, I want you to imagine in your mind's eye a scenario, kind of like a mental moving picture. Wherever you're sitting right now, um, if you're driving and just listening to this, please don't close your eyes. Pay attention to the road, but you're perfectly capable of visualizing something in your mind's eye while you're driving. We do it all the time when we're listening to stories or the radio, so it's, you know, it's not dangerous or anything. But just picture this in your mind's eye. I want you to imagine uh, uh, the first item is a baseball. So imagine a baseball like landing right in front of you, kind of inches from your nose, and it's just hovering there. And you notice inside the baseball is embedded a whistle and you blow on the whistle. So you've got this giant baseball with a whistle coming out of it. And this is just what I would picture, right? So you, you have this baseball with a whistle coming out of it. And uh, the next thing is a cap. So what I want to do is continue on my story, add a cap to it. So I would take a baseball cap off my head and put this whole contraption, this baseball whistle, in the cap. All right? And you know, I, I, it, it's this, this, the, I'm setting it down, I'm afraid it's going to fall apart and everything, so I'll grab a scarf and I'll wrap it around the cap to kind of tie it all into one big bundle so nothing happens to it. But then I look at the scarf, and the next item in the, in the list is red hair. So I look at the scarf and I realize the scarf is made out of red hair. A human person's red hair is what the scarf is made out of. And I think, oh my God, that's disgusting. But if you think that's disgusting, I start looking into this scarf even further and I find it's made out of red hair and I pull the hairs apart and I found that there are, the next item in the list is blue eyes and I think, oh, there's, there's somebody put glass eyeballs in this, in this red hair. So we're almost done. This is the way I would make the picture. But, you know, just to review, this baseball kind of lands inches from my nose and there's a whistle in it and I blow on the whistle. I put it inside a cap, a baseball cap, wrap it all up in this red scarf and I realize the scarf is made out of red hair. Embedded in this hair are some blue eyes. I think they're real for a second, but they're just glass eyes so I don't gross anybody out. The next item in the list is a mouse. So I would picture a mouse grabs these eyes and starts running away from away from me. And I'm trying to chase the mouse, you know, because they just stolen these eyes, which suddenly I think are valuable, I suppose. Um, and then so I'm chasing the mouse and I'm holding my phone up to my ear trying to tell people where the mouse is. Like I'm calling 911 to try to catch this mouse and somehow trying to use my phone to, to, to catch this mouse. And someone keeps texting me and these texts keep on coming in again and again and again. So I say, you know what, forget about this. I take the phone and crunch it and put it on my wrist like a wristwatch. Now, that's very crazy and very imaginative, and you might think of a million and one different ways to do that, but I just wanted to open up my brain and show you how I would do it. So just really quickly, the ball hits me. There's a whistle in it. It goes into a cap. I wrap it up in a red scarf that happens to be made of red hair. Inside the hair are these blue eyes. A mouse steals the eyes. I'm using my phone to try to track the mouse down, but someone keeps texting, and I get so frustrated with that, I slam the, wa the, the, the phone onto my wristwatch. So... This is how uh, a memory expert works in their brain. It sounds very crazy. It sounds very off the cuff and strange. But in just a couple of minutes, I've made a story of this. And now, Jeffrey, if, if you could maybe cover up that list, I could test you to see. Obviously, I'll remember it because I've seen it up here. But I could test you to see how well you remember it. Sure thing. All right. So try covering up the list <clears throat> and uh, think of the first item in the list. Sure. That's the ball that uh, sails up towards me. All and, right. Uh, uh, and it's just hovering in the in the uh, air there, yep. and uh, it has a whistle uh, yep. uh, coming out of it. Where and, did I put the whole thing? Well, and I, I take the baseball cap off of my head, put it in the baseball cap, wrap it up in a scarf, 
that seems to be made of red hair. And I and, hope your listeners are following along right now, and they're probably even one <laughs> step ahead of you. It's made of red hair. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, uh, part the red hair looking uh, to find what's there and see these blue eyes. At first, I think they are... Um, uh, real, but they turn out to be glass eyes. And then a mouse comes up and steals the eyes and starts running away. And I'm trying to call 911 to get some help on my phone. And somebody uh, keeps texting me, and I get so frustrated with that, I take the uh, the phone and slam it onto my wrist, uh, making it into a wristwatch. How'd I do? I think you did pretty good. Now, the other neat thing about this is your listeners can test themselves right now. You can go backwards just as easily as forwards on this, and this is the first step to our whole system. Later on, you'll learn the tricks to memorizing languages, uh, technical terms, formulas, numbers, playing cards like I did for my Guinness record, and much more. Um, you know, Just contact us if you want to do a memory club at your school or even a fundraiser for your group or organization. We do those as well. Just uh, get in touch with us if you, if you like this just a little bit I swear the live example is even better you know uh, as I was going through that exercise and thinking about what it must be like inside your brain to <laughs> memorize not just a deck of playing cards but 59 decks of playing cards help me understand that a little bit I mean that, that is so amazing to me here's here's the best way to describe it this uh, scene if you will was you know 10 items that is a relatively small scene, right? Um, the only way you can compare what I did for my Guinness record to, to this is to call that one scene from a movie, and then uh, I'm memorizing several movies. And the great thing about the brain is that you don't need, if you, if you memorize things right, it, you don't need to forget one thing in order to remember something else. That is, when you, when you watch a new movie like the latest Star Wars, that doesn't make you forget the old Star Wars movies. It's all based on whether or not you found it interesting. So your brain has an unlimited capacity to memorize information in terms of volume, but it does not like information that is not interesting. That is the, the sum total of this. If you can trick your brain into loving this information, then you can literally memorize thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of bits of information uh, actually quite easily and make it a lot of fun. Um, you got to practice a lot to get up to my level, and I don't want you to break my record, but you can do anything else, all right? <laughs> all right. Uh, do you have to have a good imagination to make this work? Uh, th this goes hand in hand actually you get a better imagination as you practice it and we know and you probably know from the studies people with a better memory uh, also tend to have better imaginations it does, it, they are linked so what we find is people who have no creativity whatsoever they start using these techniques they learn the strategies and then they develop greater creativity so it has a twofold effect no oh, that's that's really amazing so um, uh, Dave w what's on the horizon for you in 2016 here Oh man, this is going to be a, a great year. The uh, the memory tournament uh, organization is getting bigger and bigger. Uh, we're, we're holding more and more events. We're raising money for a bunch of great charities as well. We're, we're uh, raising money for uh, one of our sponsors actually is Alzheimer's uh, uh, Association over at the uh, the Scholastic uh, Memory event that's in June 30th. Uh, and of course, uh, in uh, November and October of 2016, we're doing the events over at eBay, uh, the U.S. National Memory Tournament, and the uh, the World Memory Tournament, and I strongly encourage anybody to show up and and challenge yourself against me, challenge yourself against any of the other competitors, and also uh, learn a lot of strategies along the way. And, and if anybody here is listening is from a school organization, you want to start a club, uh, I, we actually have uh, tools for you to not only start a club but also use these techniques to put on a seminar in your uh, in your group, in your school or organization, and actually uh, raise funds for a good cause in the local area. We've had um, ordinary clubs like robotics clubs have been very popular with us. They put on one of these events because they're very brainy as well and uh, they end up you know, making uh, a couple thousand dollars and, and giving it to a local charity or using it for their, their tools. So it's very exciting. Uh, Dave, we want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule here to be with us today and uh, really uh, enjoyed uh, all of the tips and tricks that you've given us and the fact that you've spent uh, a lifetime, a career in helping uh, further people's uh, abilities uh, so that they can not only get confidence in themselves, but uh, be able to uh, uh, 
function better in the world. So uh, my thanks to you, and I'm sure everybody else uh, thanks you for being on the show today. Oh, thank you very much. And if you want to get in touch with me, just Google my name, Dave Farrow. You can contact us if you're interested in that. And pushbuttonmemory.com would be the website to to take advantage of any of our uh, programs. So pushbuttonmemory.com and Dave Farrow. Great. So I'd like to invite uh, all of you uh, to join us next week. Thank you for tuning in to the show this week. Please join Dr. Jeffrey Fannin again for another edition of Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have the best week possible. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.